You're listening to Breaking the Silence, a podcast by Reach 10, where we're creating a culture of courage, compassion, and connection to overcome the shame, silence, and fear that often surrounds topics such as sexuality and pornography. We're your hosts, Chriselle Simons and Creed Orm. Welcome back, listeners. We are so excited and grateful and honored and just stoked to be joined by Darcy and Zach together, the Spafford power couple. And today we are going to be talking about how do we have compassion in our marriage as we work through pornography, because that's really hard. Um, And I'm stoked about it. And so I just want to turn the time over to them to introduce themselves briefly. And then we're going to jump into this because I know that they have a ton of wisdom that they're going to share with us. So Zach and Darcy, tell us a little bit about yourselves. Darcy, why don't you go first? I'm Darcy. I'm Zach's wife. And you're a coach. Yep. You work with women. Yep. You're amazing. Sometimes. You're beautiful. (laughs) Yeah. Do you want to take that again? No. All right. And I'm Zach and I'm a coach and I help men overcome their pornography usage in everyday life so that they can stop feeling unworthy and unhappy and become the person that they really have been striving to be for their entire lives. Yes. And we've had uh, Zach and Darcy on two other episodes uh, where they were just here by themselves. You can see all their good stuff at zachspafford.com. And uh, which is in the show notes, as well as the Self Mastery podcast, where they both talk about these topics, and we get yeah. to have them here with us. Let's talk about porn. Yes. Let's do it. So we're here to talk about. <laughs> so, what does it look like to have compassion when it comes to pornography? Because that seems really tough, and not like the natural reaction. Yeah. So from the perspective of the person who is usually the offender, right? And and that's, I hate to say it that way, but you know, it's usually the the husband who we find is the offender, but this actually strikes both sides equally. This is not just a man's problem. This is a man's and a woman's problem. But from the perspective of the person who is, you know, struggling to leave pornography behind, I think one of the very first things that you need to do is have compassion for yourself. And I know that seems a little counterintuitive and maybe, you know, I can, I can, I can hear the wives out there thinking, well, he's hurting me. And I, and I, and I'm going to speak about it from the perspective of husbands and wives, but recognizing that it could be a wife who's using and a husband who's dealing with this. And I, I fully recognize that sense of hurt. And I don't want to diminish that in any way, but I do want to speak to the person who's dealing with this on, on their side and just say, have some compassion for yourself and understand that you are learning to walk. You're learning to deal with some emotions that, you know, as, as a, as an American in society, you're not very good at, you know, we're just not good at emotions for men. We think they have three emotions and that's hungry, horny, and uh, angry. And that's it that we think that those are the only three emotions that men get. And that's not true. And so when you begin to really figure this out, you're going to need to have some compassion for yourself to understand that I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to figure this out and I'm not going to you know, beat myself up on it, about it on a daily basis. Yeah. And, and for me, I, 
in what we do, right, where we work with couples who are struggling with pornography, I I have gained such a strong sense of compassion for men who struggle with pornography because, you know, I listen to these men talk about, you know, we sat with a couple who uh, the man was like, I just don't even want to live, right? Because I, I struggle with pornography. And, and I think how sad that is, right? Like this person struggles. He looks at pornography, say once a month, and he thinks that he's so unworthy that he doesn't even want to live. And that he's going to move out of his house and not be with his family because it's better than. Yeah. And, and that like, it really breaks my heart. You know, I feel like, and then, you know, for the wife, right. It's, it's so hard to not feel so crushed by what your husband does. And so, you know, it's that fine balance of, of having compassion for yourself and understanding what, what emotions you have and that they're real and, and that they are something that, that feels so powerful in your life, right? When you're, when you're being told that your spouse struggles with pornography and so having compassion for yourself, but also, you know, when you can get to a place, which is not easy, takes time and lots of practice where you can have compassion for your spouse and, and their struggle. And, and like I said, in the last podcast and be able to relate it to some area in your life that you struggle to, that, that, that is really where the power comes when you can look at your spouse with love and compassion, just like you can look at yourself with love and compassion in, in other areas. Yeah. And I think it's important for husbands or, you know, the person who's dealing with the pornography on their side to be compassionate about how difficult their, their partner is, is, or is be compassionate about what the difficulties are for their partner. Meaning you got to recognize that she's going to have to process this. She's going to have to come to a place where this is, um, you know, understood and go through those emotions and be able to decide how she wants to deal with this. And that is a really important position for all, all parties to be in. It's compassion for self and compassion for the other, because in that you, you begin to be able to rebuild that intimacy and rebuild trust and rebuild understanding so that it's not just a, this is your problem, go fix it so I can be happy sort of situation. Yeah. And, and I know this sounds, this sounds really harsh. And so if you're hurting and you're really like in the, you know, really in the thick of this, this struggle with your spouse, but, you know, I just think of like, what if Zach, you know, was like, honey, if you are depressed one more day during this winter where it's, you know, negative seven degrees here in Milwaukee, <laughs> which it was this right. Week if you're depressed again, like I'm, I'm leaving, man, like, you know, and, and I know that, you know, struggling with pornography and depression can be, you know, not exactly the same thing, but right. It's a struggle that I have in the winter and Zach's struggle was pornography. And so if I, you know, just relate it in that area, I'm like, wow, that would be really, really, really painful and hurtful for me. You know, I want Zach to have compassion for me and my struggles that I have. And, and so how can I also have compassion for him and his struggles? Love it. I think I've always believed that compassion is a key component to 
um, healing for both ourselves and our partner and our world. We all need to give each other, especially ourselves, a lot of grace. Um, and that's where healing can stem from. So I want to dissect this a little bit more. I think I want to take it from the point of my spouse comes to me. We've already talked about their pornography use in the past. They've already brought it up. Now we're kind of in the middle of it. We're trying to work on it together. They come to me saying, you know what? Uh, I had a, I had a bad night. I looked at some pornography. What does it look like from there? Compassion for the other compassion for the self. What are your thoughts for that? Yeah. I know for me, it's like, I want to know what's going on for him. Right. Because if he's doing something that I know he doesn't want to be doing, right. Like I know he, that's not the man he wants to be. Right. Like I don't think most LDS men don't wake up and go, I want to be a guy that looks at pornography. Right. Like that, like that's so far from what they want. Right. So it's like, if, if that's what he's doing, like, what is going on for him? Like he must be hurting and how, how is he hurting and how, how can we have that conversation and, and kind of dissect that and understand what is going on for him? And I know like, obviously that takes a lot of practice, right? That wasn't in the beginning. That was certainly not how it was, but as I, as we grew, it was more like, what's going on for you? And, and, and that initial thought, it's like, you know, you want to do the fight or flight and you want to react in anger and you want to, you know, maybe say something hurtful because they hurt you type, you know, um, dynamic, but really, you know, if you can pause and step back from that and, and, and really try and connect and kind of grow closer together and really, you know, work on it together instead of it being like, um, the thing that divides you, right? Like, how can we, how, like, I just think how awesome it would be if every couple who struggled with pornography was like, you know what, we're not going to let pornography win. We're going to figure this out and we're going to fight together and we're going to, we're going to conquer this together, you know? And obviously that's if both partners are willing to work together, right? Like I'm not talking to the partner who's doesn't want to change. Right. But if, if you're both earnestly trying to change, like how cool that would be. And I think for the, for the partner who is the user, I think it's really important that when she starts to ask questions, you take a step back from defense because I think it's an automatic response for us to defend our position and try and defend, you know, what's going on for us. And when we take a step back and we start to listen to the questions, when the questions come out of a sense of, you know, worry for the well-being of the person who's using, then you're going to get a lot farther if you're putting your heads together to, to figure the problem out. And when you step back from defense and you start to, you know, really look for the perspective that your spouse is bringing to this, right? Well, why are you doing that? What were you feeling last night that brought that on? Why did you choose to believe that thought that you can see now doesn't serve you? And ask those questions and enlighten yourself rather than try to defend what you did. Because what you did is, doesn't need to be defended. And this is something that we all, I think, could learn in terms of just choosing to see our past not as a problem, but as an opportunity to learn. 
You know, this is a place where we find all of the lessons of our lives. They're in the past, right? And we look back and we can either tell ourselves a story of how terrible we are and what we've done wrong, or we can look back and go, oh, wow, I, I see that I was lonely or I see that I was frustrated or I, that I was whatever. And when I'm stressed, I turn to something to just kind of numb out. And that something sometimes leads down what, what we often call the rabbit hole, which, you know, can be pornography or, you know, for someone who overeats, it could be food or video games for hours, whatever it is. And just start to ask those questions and ask yourself, well, why do I, why do I feel like I need to numb that out rather than just feel lonely for a little while? Mm. What it sounds like to me is that uh, in this kind of situation, then if we, kind of take both of ourselves outside of the picture, the, the user and the, the non-user, but it's more like, what can we do together as opposed to, oh, I used again, like, oh, she's going to be mad at me, upset, you know, just kind of, you know, thinking about <laughs> that and I guess annoyance. Um, but uh, if we kind of focus on the compassion for the other and truly listen to understand and, and come together in that way. I feel like it really can become a connecting experience as opposed to a disconnecting one and your intimacy can grow and you can tackle something together, which is quite exciting. Yeah. And it's interesting that you bring that togetherness, right? It's about team in a lot of ways. A marriage is a team and a family is a team in a lot of ways. And I just kind of think about Michael Jordan, Scotty Pippen. When I was a kid, I grew up in Chicago. I was there when Jordan and Pippen were uh, winning all the rings. And it was just like this magical time in my life. Right. And I look at those two players and, and I just, I can't imagine Michael Jordan saying to Scotty Pippen, you've ruined our team because you didn't do this play right. Right. And that what, what I do know is that Jordan was a hard uh, teammate. He was a hard teammate to, to work with. He was driven to extraordinary levels and he would call people out, but he wouldn't do it from a sense of like, you've broken us. We're never going to win a championship, which is what it kind of often sounds like from a wife when she's like, you've ruined our marriage. We're never going to recover from this. He did it from a place of, I want you to be better than you were yesterday. And I'm showing you how you can get there. Now in a marriage, I don't, I do not recommend that you take Michael Jordan's tactics <laughs> because like I said, he was a hard ball player to play with, but I do recommend that you look at this from a perspective of what can we learn and how can we make our team better? What skills do we need on this team to make this a championship team? I really, really love that perspective because I feel like no matter what it is you're facing, whether it's fine, your finances, your uh, like anything, right? <laughs> In a marriage, you have two choices. You can either do it separate or you can do it together. And, and I mean, I'm only in this two years and change, but my experience so far, which is very limited, is that it's so much better when we do it together. It really is. I mean, that Jack Johnson song, it is. It's better when we're together. And, um, and I just think to me, she'll be like, are you going, can I come with you? I was like, do, do you need to go? She's like, no, I just want to be with you. That's what yeah. she literally says to me. I love that. I love that so much. <laughs> oh, <dear. laughs> and 
and and it's so true that, that like the more that we can see this as a together thing rather than like you're hurting me it's like okay what can we do to move forward um i think that that's so much so so helpful i mean if we look at this as like just looking at your finances of being like well you're spending all this money it's like okay what can we do to make the budget work yeah yeah I think in the, especially in the early days, Darcy and I would talk about this from, you know, she very much felt that there should be some punitive measure, right? Like, why aren't you getting basically more beat up by the church? You know, why are the bishops doing more to tell you off and, you know, things like that. And the more I know about the gospel, the less I think the gospel is about anything punitive. And the compassion of Christ. And I often give this example, and I think it's a really important one. So you're, you're probably familiar with the, the woman who was brought in adultery to Christ. And when that woman was brought into, uh, to Christ by these, um, you know, these men, they were, and I always, I always like to ask this question, where was the other guy, right? Like, it, that, that, that's not really important for this part of the story, but it really is an interesting question. Like, why didn't they bring him too? Because if they caught her, they caught him, right? But they bring this woman and Christ does, I think, the most compassionate thing that he can do, which is ignore them. And then they insist. They're like, no, she had sex, so we should throw rocks at her till she dies, which is like this horrible, horrible idea that we have to punish this. And Christ... He, he looks at him and he says, okay, well, whichever one of you is without sin, let him cast the first stone, right? He doesn't stand up and say to this woman, I'm going to have to pay for what you did. I'm going to have to literally bleed and die on the cross for this thing that you did. You're a terrible person. And if anybody knows what it feels like to pay for that sin, it's Christ, right? But what does he say to this woman after all these men convicted by their own consciences, leave. He says, go and sin no more, right? He, he doesn't castigate her. He doesn't chastise her. He doesn't ask her to do some sort of penance. He just says, go, move forward from this. And, and I think implicitly, I've paid for it, right? And when you as the spouse are sitting there and you're thinking, he has hurt me or she has hurt me, right? Because this happens, you know, it may not be pornography in this, you know, in every instance, but it happens in every marriage where he has hurt you or she has hurt you. And that's the reality of life. And we just kind of take a step back and we say, wait a minute, Christ has paid for this. How can we learn from it and move forward? We're going to have so much more compassion for others and for ourselves in everything that we do. And I think that's what Christ showed. He showed this compassion, this unending compassion for this particular woman, but for all of us in that story. And to me, it's one of the most beautiful stories in, in all of Christendom. It's him saying, I know that I'm going to hurt because of this. And nobody, you know, in, in a way, nobody, nobody can tell you that you've been injured by them more than this particular sin could have injured me. So I'm not saying that we should all go around and sin. What I'm saying is we can all have more compassion for others and we'll probably be much, much less likely to sin when we do have that compassion. Yeah. I think that's so interesting that, yeah, that 
we're, we're less likely to to continue like misbehaving or or any of that when we can see when we can see ourselves with compassion when we can see the other person with compassion right so instead of like lashing out in because we're hurt and hurting our spouse because they hurt us if we can see them we can we can come from a place of i'm hurting too and so are you right which is so beautiful it really is crazy to see how broken men are who are struggling with pornography and can't get it out of their lives right like they they are hurting so much right they're hurting just as much as we are hurting as the wife it really is it's sad it's sad to see what pornography has done to a lot of really 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 good men you know a lot of people think men who look at pornography are just you know they have lots of words for them right scum yeah but I found that it's some of the greatest men that struggle with pornography, like legit dudes, (laughs) notch, hands-on, amazing husbands and fathers and, and church leaders. And, you know, this is, this is not just bad, bad guys that struggle with pornography, which, you know, I think a lot of times that's the image that comes to our mind when we think of someone who struggles with pornography. Yeah. I mean, I've worked with, you know, everyone from 15 year olds all the way on up to stake presidents. And every single time I sit down with a man, they, their sense of self has been shattered because they think I, I shouldn't be this way. I'm supposed to be a certain, you know, reality. I'm supposed to be that knight in shining armor for my wife. I'm supposed to be a good upstanding citizen. I'm supposed to be a good uh, member of the church, all those things. And then they have this thing that they don't seem to be able to kick because they don't know the skills to kick it. And yet they beat themselves up. It's like a toddler who, you know, gets mad at themselves for not being able to run. It doesn't make any sense. If we don't have the skills, then we're not going to be good at it. And so, I mean, that's really a lot of the work that we do is we, we give people literal skills, actual actionable day-to-day activities that they can use to create the skills and, and, you know, practice the skill sets that are required to leave pornography behind and become the person that you actually want to be. And I, this is kind of, this isn't about marriage, but I'm a mom of eight. So I just got to throw this out there with, with my son right now. Like what I say is, Hey, I know you, you're probably going to look at pornography again. Right. I, I understand it's, it's there. And I want you to do one thing for me before you look at pornography, I want you to acknowledge what it is you're feeling. Because I know that that is the first step for him to understand what's going on for him, right? And 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 then being able to have that conversation, hey, what were you feeling? Oh, you, you learned that you don't really like being lonely or bored. That's kind of interesting, right? When, you, when you're lonely or bored, your brain's like, hey, you should look at pornography, right? And, and so... Yeah. Yeah. And, and this is, again, this is not a skill set that we teach. We like to teach that, you know, men are tough, women are to be protected. And that's all there is to it. You just have to uh, knuckle down and pull yourself up and move on and make it happen. And, you know, be a man, as, as I like to say, right? 
And that's not the truth. The truth is, is that we all have emotions and we need to learn how to manage them in a way that helps us serve the, the vision that we have of who we want to be. Yeah. Yeah. Having a sense of curiosity for ourselves and others without judgment goes a long way. And um, I love everything that you both have said, especially bringing up the story about Christ and the woman caught in adultery, that we can learn so much from that story in itself, so much about the gospel and how to respond to ourselves and others all the time. That's really how we should be doing it. So uh, thank you so much for sharing all this wonderful stuff with us. This has been beautiful. Thanks for having us. We loved it. Thank you for listening to Breaking the Silence by Reach 10. Help us create a new culture of connection by sharing what you heard today with at least 10 people. Please help us reach more young adults by going to iTunes to rate and review our podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. Reach 10 is a nonprofit. You can help support this podcast by donating on our website and following us on social media. We share these views to open the dialogue on these tough issues. We are not professionals, and the ideas shared on this podcast should not be taken as professional advice. The opinions and views that our hosts and guests share do not necessarily reflect the views of Reach 10, and we don't guarantee the accuracy of any statements you hear. Reach 10 is not responsible for your use of information heard on this podcast. We keep learning and invite you to join us as we build a more open, compassionate, and courageous culture.